Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me for this feel-good show to relish in the Astros, Rockets, and Texans is my co-host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And if you don't know us, you're getting 45 years combined in sports journalism between us, 35 years covering Houston sports. So you're in good hands, and you know that we've seen a lot in Houston sports. But, Sean, this city city still buzzing over Jordan Magic. Where were you? What was your reaction? I'm still buzzing over Jordan Magic, man. I was sitting right in front of my TV, um, just standing up, watching it, waiting for a moment to happen. And my boy was on the couch. My wife was on the couch. I mean, we're just kind of hanging out, trying to take it all in and do what Jordan did and just will them to victory. Um, when he hit that home run, man, I mean, I just let out the biggest freaking scream I could think. And I thought for sure, like I was going to freak my boy out, but he was like, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, like father, like son, I guess. But I mean, it was, it was an incredible, incredible moment. I mean, the only thing that could have topped it for me personally is to have actually been there in person. Um, and I've been, um, fortunate enough to be at some really significant, important moments in Astro history. Um, in person and yesterday is definitely one of those that I would trade a lot of things to be there oh yeah and there was a lot of father-son moments going on around Houston hopefully memories made everywhere and you know I didn't get to go yesterday but I was lucky enough to be at Minute Maid for the Chris Burke 18 and 18 inning home run game uh, Jeff Kent's walk off against the cards 10th inning and 04 let me go back to the Jeff Kent home run because the joy by Astros fans after that one Unreal. I can't imagine what it was like with Jordan, but at that time, it was the best Astros postseason moment ever. You might say the Billy Hatcher home run, but that wasn't to win a game. And I remember fans just group cheering walking out of the ballpark. That moment was incredible as a fan. The Burke home run, I was there working it for Fox Sports Southwest. And as a videographer, I had to be close to the clubhouse as soon as it was over, Sean. And you know how that goes. So I saw in the media room, the home run underneath the stadium. So it's not, not quite as fun as seeing the Jeff Kent where I was out in the stands and kind of got to enjoy it a little bit. Sometimes working those games, man, it's not, you know, all that it seems it's like it's cracked up to be, you know, I mean, stuck in a workroom, having to watch it on TV when you very well could be doing that at home. <laughs> you know, that's one of those rough things. Um, I wasn't there for the Kent, but I certainly watched it. Um, I was there for the Chris Burke home run and I never let my uncle live that story down because he left in the seventh inning. He lives in Austin and did so at the time. And so he was going to beat traffic and, uh, <laughs> you know, count his losses, I guess. Funny story. He made it back home in Austin before the end of the game and watched Burke's home run in the 18th inning on TV. <laughs> oh, man. So kind of a crazy deal. And I called him right away. I was like, I'll bet you in your life you'll never leave another Astros game or any sporting event early again. And I don't think he has. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, luckily, I haven't really gotten screwed in those moments. There's a couple of times where I thought about leaving, but I didn't. You know, one of the coolest things I've seen on social media is the thread under the Astros official Twitter where everybody put video of their angle of the home run, whether they were at the ballpark in front of their TV, 
or if they shot their little league team watching the game on a laptop, which couldn't have been cooler. Go check it. I retweeted it. If you're looking through the thread, just go to my my Twitter. But one of my favorite videos, somebody who was in front of the owner's box actually immediately turned to where you could see Enos Cabell celebrating with Jim Crane going crazy behind him. And for me, you know, it's just great to see Enos Cabell because I started as a fan, Enos Cabell fan. Remember the game against the Dodgers in in 1980 where they win the game to go into the playoff and and get to play the Phillies. So, you know, seeing Enos celebrate was really cool. I have not seen that yet. And I I love all of that stuff. Um, I like to see Astro employees celebrate because no matter what their role is, um, they have something to do with a product, the product that's on the field and they can, they can celebrate, you know, for the fruits of their labor, for whatever, um, you know, little bit they're contributing um, to the success of the team. Like I, I like to see people affiliated with that ball club celebrate when good things happen. And one of my favorite moments um, in the ball game yesterday was Biggio and Bagwell on their feet. And if you watched, like I know you have and many out there that are watching and listening to us have seen so many ball games with those guys sitting right behind home plate over the years since they've retired. It's not all the time that they're on their feet in big moments, um, but they were on their feet yesterday. And to see Bagwell and Biggio both throw their hands up in the air um, at the swing and the crack of the bat from Jordan yesterday. I mean, that was, that was extra emotional for me very sentimental, very nostalgic feeling because while they'd been a part of, um, you know, a lot of historic moments in Astro history during their playing days, they've certainly witnessed um, the pinnacle of all of it, you know, as retired uh, former players, they'd seen them win a world series. They've seen walk-offs in dramatic fashion um, and, you know, the most important, as I said it, they, they've seen the Astros go to a World Series. Now, certainly they played in one. They didn't win it. And to have the opportunity now five times to see him go to the ALCS and, you know, three World Series and maybe a fourth on the horizon. I mean, that's that's a special, special thing. I can't wait to see the Crane and Cabell celebration, though. Speaking of Jim Crane, he's got his hands busy because... Other teams keep poaching the Astros brain trust. The Giants named Astros assistant GM Pete Patilla as their new GM. That sort of came out quietly as the uh, we led up to that game, game one. And then Patilla actually goes back before Luno. Sean, I don't know if you know this. He started as an intern for Ed Wade. Then Wade hired him in 2011. So he's been around for 11, 12 years now. And also the Marlins are interviewing Joe Espada, who's a potential Dusty Baker replacement. Of course, Dusty's contract, we know it. It's year to year. So that's a little bit interesting. And, you know, what are the Astros going to do? Are they going to whisper something to Joe Espada? Hey, stick around. You know, how how married are they to staying with Dusty Baker for a long time? So that's kind of fun, fun and interesting side note with everything else going on. It is. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's not to be understated. There was a uh, comment from Alex Bregman, uh, yesterday after the game, and I thought it was pretty pertinent. Um, now, granted, you know, I, I'll preface it before I read it because maybe many have not seen it, you know, because they were probably consuming, um, you know, a lot of other things, <laughs> um, you know, 
like the video for people probably played that two dozen times rewatching Jordan's home run. Sure. And I'm trying to pull the commentary up here from Alex Bregman in regards to Dusty Baker. Um, I, I thought, well, was, I, I thought, you know, Dusty, there was a couple of moments in the game that I wasn't real sure about, but I, if I remember correctly, Bregman said Dusty did a masterful job and he kept everybody involved. I, I still don't, I know he said that. I know he believes it. I feel like, Oh, for the most part, like 99%, he did a masterful job. But as I said on our post game yesterday, wasn't so sure about keeping Mauricio Dubon <laughs> engaged and in the game. I just, I, I still don't get that particular move of bringing in Dubon and the way he pinch it for uh, Chas McCormick instead of pinch hitting Christian Vasquez for Maldonado made no sense. It was using an extra player and then you use two. Of course, it works out perfectly for him because Hensley gets the base hit in the ninth inning and you go, oh, well, it, it, it all worked out great, you know, but, I, you know, Dubon to me is not the guy that I want in, in that game at all. I don't mind it from a defensive standpoint because I do like him. Um, you know, as a defensive replacement, but yeah, you need a defensive replacement when you're down by four runs. That's always important. You got to get a defensive replacement in there because those guys are going to help you uh, score for no, they're not going to do anything there. That's the problem with Mauricio Dubon is he can't hit. And I totally get it, but you know, there's, there are guys that you have to trust and, you know, not everybody is, um, you know, your Alex Bregman's, your Jose Altuve's, your Jordan's, they're guys that you have to trust. Uh, and important spots. And Dusty said it after the game yesterday that, you know, experience matters, but the young players in particular, the rookies like Hensley and Pena um, that he has, uh, has to entrust in, 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 in key roles going forward. They're not scared. You know, they've got a little bit of moxie. They've got the preparation. They've got the hunger and they've had it all season long. And I, we, we've talked about this uh, a number of times over the course of a long season, Robert, and I bet you could probably go back about four and a half, maybe five months ago that we did a show, and I said, you just wait. Um, it was probably actually before the trade deadline, so not that long ago. Um, but I always think of things like this. We talk so much about an opening day roster. We talk so much about you know performances, good, bad, or otherwise, during the course of a season. It's usually guys that are not on an opening day roster that factor into a team's success later in the season that you have to rely upon in key moments. And David Hensley was one of those guys yesterday. I thought at certain times, of course, he didn't make the postseason roster. Will Smith could be one of those guys. I thought Brian Abreu was going to be one of those guys. And sure enough, that sucker had to come in, you know, because Verlander flamed out after four innings yesterday. And it's just key guys that you just, and they're, they're not even in the back of your mind that you have to know by now over the course of five seasons watching this ball club in any team, in any sport. There are guys, that they make the roster, they crack the opening, they crack the uh, active roster for a reason. You're going to have to entrust them. And I thought that was the most impressive thing. And that's what Alex Bregman, I think, was talking about when he said Dusty managed, you know, the game terrifically and he did a great job. Here's the quote, Alex Bregman, to not be understated, quote, I thought Dusty did a great job. He managed this game like we were going to win it from the first pitch. He has the ultimate confidence in every single person on this roster. You saw that today with how many guys were used. And that was the crux of that statement right there. Sure, you're, there's an exuberance, there's a confidence, there's excitement. 
Um, but those words could not ring more true. And I don't know what it means going forward. The Astros could lose three straight games and get bounced in the ALDS. Anything could happen. It's baseball. But one thing's for certain. This clubhouse loves Dusty. They love, if you want to call it the grandfatherly uh, figure that he has become for this organization, fine. But he brought from day one, granted, he didn't answer questions like we wanted him to in spring training. Jose Altuve didn't. Bregman didn't. It took Carlos Correa to be the face and the voice of this Astros club and push them to that next level. It was Dusty who finally caught on as well and brought that sense of calmness and that it was okay and embrace, um, uh, you know, the hate that you were going to get because at the end of the day, it's about nobody else but just us. And so I think that's huge going forward. Yeah, 99% of the time, that confidence is great. But like last year in the World Series, I didn't think it was great to be confident in Alex Bregman because he was just not right. And you got to know when your guys aren't right, when you got you got to know when a better guy's willing to play. And, and that's my concern with Dusty going forward. I, I also... I uh, want to talk about the fact that we're going to continue to do these live Astros post-game shows and subscribe, like, comment on YouTube, but don't forget about the live Astros post-game shows because me and Steven, and maybe we'll get Sean to make a cameo soon. Got to get him in, in, involved in this too, but if you miss them, you can just stream it later. We'll react to your comments during the live version, so it's a good reason to tune in to, you know, Get a little back and forth with us, or at least tell us what you're thinking out there. And and tell all your friends about the live shows as well. And, Sean, let, let's keep the Astros positives going, at least the Astros positive vibes, because I'm going to try to give you some Texan positive vibes. Do, do you have any Texan positive vibes? Yeah, they won. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you – I'm going to throw some at you, agree or disagree, but the Texans' defensive unit is fifth in the red zone in the NFL. They are number one in the league in goal-to-goal situations. Let me repeat, number one in goal-to-goal situations. And, Sean, even better than that, after watching the first few games, look, they drafted four players that I believe now have Pro Bowl potential after watching the first few games. Damian Pierce on pace to do it this year. Top three NFL back now, today. Pierce forced 17 Missed Jags tackle Sunday, the most for one game since pro football focus started keeping stats 16 years ago. You know, this is Earl Campbell stuff that he was doing on Sunday. Kenyon Green shows flashes, amazing start considering he was injured most of the preseason. So this is trial by fire for him, Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley. Those are the other two. They have great instincts. Stingley, one of four cornerbacks, hasn't missed a tackle 30 tackles total has not missed one he's only four one of four guys in the nfl that's done that petrie 39 tackles two interceptions love what i'm seeing from all four sean and you hit the nail on the head too and you know you, if you're going to talk about petrie and the successes that he does you know that he has had um and his tackling uh, i think has been one of them his coverage has been um you know one of them uh, the reads that he's able to make on plays, the fact that he plays in the box so much uh, for this Texans defense. Um, he's he's unfortunately had to be a run stuffer that, you know, they don't really have in the front seven. And he supplies that eight there and it's much needed. You do have to talk about his missed tackles. He leads the NFL um, in missed tackles. And I've seen various numbers on this, but the, the hardest number that I'd found 
um, came from a really good source too. Some of these, it's a stat head like me, um, had it at nine uh, with one missed tackle from Petrie in that Jacksonville game. And now he has nine total on the season. It's getting better. Most of that was, I think, early in the year. It's getting better the last two weeks. Um, he's been much improved. And I think it's important to note, I just did a piece on sportsradio610.com uh, about Petrie and uh, what Nick Casario had to say about him uh, as he spoke to the media this week um, in, in, in his, his work habits. Uh, he's, he's as prepared and he's got one of the better work ethics out of anybody in that entire building, whether they play or not, um, is what Casario alluded to and said with that, uh, coupled with his skill set, you know, sky is absolutely the limit. He certainly got the right attitude. But, you know, I talked to Petrie a couple of weeks back. Um, I think it was after the Bears game. And somebody had asked him, you know, what he thinks he needs to improve upon. And without a thought, a millisecond didn't go by, he said patience, tackling, and reads. And those are all three things, all three areas of his game um, that have improved, um, you know, a few ticks over the course of the last couple of weeks. So for a guy who people said since day one was mature beyond his years, um, and his knowledge of the game and his, the way that he prepares um, and just his smarts on and off the field. I mean, that's terrific. The Texans seem to have absolutely struck gold with Petrie. And so at the end of the day, health, it comes down to health. It comes down to continued progression, stacking, you know, as Nick Casario and the Texans like to stay more good days on top of good days than bad. Um, that's what it appears like this rookie class this year from April has absolutely done. And I'll even say this. You know, Garrett Walla, who hadn't been able to stay healthy a lick, um, you know, missed most all of uh, training camp, watching on the side, the preseason, um, by far had his best performance as a Houston Texan yesterday, not yesterday, this past week, rather, uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, the announcer crew even said that, hey, man, this guy's a defensive MVP in the first half, and he certainly was. He was flying around all over the field, making plays in space. So I think a lot of good things going on for the Texans' young players, and that's what Ultimately, this season is about Robert. Uh, I'm not about tanking for, you know, high draft picks. I want to see the the fruits of your labor so far for Nick Casario and constructing a roster. See what you got, and you have to go off of that. And you make that ultimate judgment on whether or not it's a, you know, splash in the pan or if it's something you can really work with over the course of the next three, four, five years going forward. The Texans also, this is a positive. They have winnable games coming up. Uh, the Raiders is a winnable game. They're going to face the Commanders uh, this year. That game is absolutely winnable. You get Jacksonville again, and this time you're playing them at home. Um, the, their, their schedule, I, I said it to start the year, it, it it looked a little hard when you first looked at and then you started thinking about it. And I think as the season got, has gone on, it's, it's not that hard at all. And, and there's winnable games here for them. There really is. And it's kind of that way for every team every year in the NFL. Um, I, I don't really pay attention to it all, like strength of schedule, you know, who's got the worst, who's got the best. You know, all those numbers are meaningless because, you know, for so many years, Robert, you think back about this, like we've talked about parity or maybe the lack thereof in the NFL. Uh, you know, I did a case study, I think it was towards the end of last year, and the number of teams. Um, that make the postseason year in and year out, like generally over the course of about the last seven or eight years, 
and I don't have the hard numbers in front of me, but I mean, you could name three teams that have been perennial playoff teams over that stretch. Outside of that, it's somebody different every single year. So there's parity. And where there's parity, the strength of schedule, you can flush it down the toilet. Um, and so because injuries happen, you know, players like Russell Wilson happen. You know, just this is, you know, maybe an anomaly in the 2022 NFL season. This is one of the more wild, wacky, you know, starts to a year that I can really remember. But I feel like I've said that over the course of the last two or three years Uh, anyway. And yes, you just look at the schedule because the Raiders, it looks a heck of a lot more winnable now than it did. But you know what game doesn't Uh, the two weeks ago? Uh, a lot of people were saying, yeah, maybe the Texans, Texans can steal one at home against the Eagles. All right, maybe not so much because Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles are playing out of their minds right now. Um, but, yeah, you look at the Commanders and you look at the Dolphins, I think you have to um, really consider what's going on well, there. Yeah, if they don't have Tua, that's a big deal. And yes. and you look at our division, I mentioned Jacksonville, pretty much everybody in the, this is a this is a really – Terrible, terrible division. But you got one more game with the Colts. You got two more games with the Titans. And in an AFC South, you and I talked about it post-game this past weekend. Yeah, it was an ugly game. It might have been uglier than that Bronco Thursday night game. Uh, But I feel like there's one of those every single week. There's also one of those every single time a team faces off in the AFC South. For whatever reason, it's just been that way for as long as the mind can remember. That is... AFC South football, everybody, you muck the game up and you give yourself the best chance to win. Just you take better care of the ball than the opposition. And that's kind of been uh, the medicine for the Houston Texans, especially in the AFC South over the course of the years, whether you want to go back to the Bill O'Brien era, um, you know, even Gary Kubiak. I mean, it's just kind of been that way. So, you know, I, I look forward to it, you know, week to week. I just want to see guys stay healthy. I want to see the young players continue to develop. And I'm super excited about Damian Pierce because every day that goes by, Robert, I think about this guy. Like, I feel like we really could be watching a guy that is special. And and I don't know if, if if special is, you know, an Arian Foster type of career, you know, where it's short, compacted kind of special, or if it's going to be something that we're able to see um, and enjoy for eight, nine, ten years. It's an NFL, NFL running back. You better enjoy him over the next five years because that's the way it happens. Yeah, that, maybe you know this league. I've seen it. I mean, Earl, you know, yeah, he took. A, a zillion hits, but so did so is Damian Pierce taking a lot of hits, and so, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be long. Enjoy the next three, four, five years. That's why I say, run them all you can because these guys they're they're not going to lie. You can put them in glass cases; they just don't last. And as, as long as they're healthy and you can get that much out of them, I'm not saying run them 300 carries, but you know, let's let's get off this 12 and 15 carries he was getting earlier in the season. And by the way. I want to keep these positive vibes going. I'm wearing my Rockets cap. You might know this, and I, I've been wearing the Rockets cap a lot recently because I, I'm having so much fun watching this team, Sean. Um, I, I'm genuinely excited from what I see. A few weeks ago, I told my close friend and original co-host, RG, I said, hey, you're going to be in Vegas this weekend. I need you to put a few dollars on the Rockets over in the win total. I need the over. 
The over under 23 and a half. Sean, I don't bet ever, but it's a lock. I'm saying that's a lock. You you want to hear why? You want to hear my reasons? Because I've got them. Yeah. I, g- give me the reasons. You know, I, they're probably pretty similar to mine. I just, I, I, I want to know what you think overall in terms of this roster. And tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to be honest with you with, you know, everything that's been going on with the Astros and I cover the Texans daily. The Rockets, to be quite honest with you, has been like third, you know, on. Go to the go to his brother, Ali Bajani. You got to go to the other Bajani to keep up with the Rockets. For right now. Just give yeah. me a couple of weeks before I can <laughs> ramp up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got two-year-old kid problems going on and, you know, I got all kinds of stuff and I'm trying to compartmentalize. Them. Well, that's the thing. The Astros, I mean, they don't have two-year-old kid problems. They got grown men stuff. The Rockets are dealing with the two-year-old kid problems. But let me talk about a two-year-old with the Rockets. That's my first reason. The test of an NBA star, can he add to his game in the offseason? Jalen Green, in his second year, the terrible twos are not going to be terrible because he did it. His handle, light years better. Great stuff that I'm seeing from him in the in the preseason. His passing, better. His reboundings, better. Look, you can't be a superstar by being one-dimensional. And I'm telling you right now, Sean, he'll be in the conversation, listen to me, for most improved player this year and maybe all-star conversation. Jalen Green. I mean, that, that doesn't floor me. That doesn't floor me at all. I think when you drafted him, that's exactly the type of progression that you anticipated, what you would expect, um, what you really demand when you take a guy um, at that position a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, the same sort of progression is expected um, from Jabari Smith, you know, uh, the number one overall pick that fell to you at, at third overall this past year, um, or just these past few months ago. That That's the expectation. Those are the kinds of picks that you're expected to hit on. But the stuff that they didn't expect, and none of us could have expected, and my number two reason to be excited about the Rockets Tari Eason is the real deal. The dude is posting 20 and 10 every preseason game, and he's doing it in less than 25 minutes per game. 20 and 10 in less than 25 minutes. And I know you're saying, oh, it's preseason. Whatever. Watch the game. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.7 steals, 64% from the field, 44.4% from three, and 80% from the free throw line so he can shoot. And these are numbers he was putting up in college. But most impressively, he's putting up 20 a game without the Rockets. And this is the key for me. The preseason, oh, give it to this guy. He's going to take 20 shots. He'll get some points. No, they never run a play for him. He gets putbacks. He runs the break. He knocks down corner threes when the ball's like whipped around to him and he's open. You got to start Tari Eason, Eric Gordon scoring is more valuable off the bench for a team that needs some offense off the bench because you're going to have Jalen and Jabari in the starting lineup along with Shangoon potentially. So why not start Tari Eason? Why not get the guy that's going to be your starter? This guy is going to be a starter within a year. I mean, it's it's we're not going to be here for very long before we see him be a starter. Bam, you hit the nail on the head. Um you know, I, I can speak a little bit to Tari Easton because he's kind of a guy that, um, you know, I chop it up with my brother uh, about pretty regular. Uh, he's excited about him. And I actually watched a little bit of him um, in the summer league 
and the transition you hit it you, you talked about the way that he played in college well going from college to summer league to now preseason the numbers that he's putting up yeah to a certain degree you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt um, but, you know, much less so in the NBA when you talk about preseason than that of the NFL. I mean, the Texans went undefeated, you know, in the preseason, and there's a lot of factors going on in football. Basketball, you can either ball or you can't. Tari Eason is a freaking bulldog. He's a baller. And, you know, he was asked the other day about um, the, tech, the the Rockets not drawing plays up for him. And he's like, it's about what I do away from the ball. And I, I like I, I like playing that way. And that's something that he he's embracing. He trusts Silas and his coaching staff. He trusts his teammates already to put him in position to make plays. And he's going to bail them out, you know, when they're not able to make plays. If it's putbacks, if it's playing playing away from the ball, finding space, you know, for an outlet pass. These are the little things that you have to do to be successful and Interestingly enough, Robert, like these are things that the Rockets weren't doing at any point really last season when they played a whole lot of me, me, me basketball, not a lot of team basketball at all. Use the head. Use the head. They, they, this is a different team up here in the brain. They, they are basically have changed everything. And I'm going to say it's one guy, Christian Wood, is a big part of that. But getting rid of a cancer like that, and that's – you mentioned Jabari. Another reason. He's legit. Forget the shooting for a second, which opens up the entire floor for Jalen Green. He changes the defense. In football terms, he's Ray Lewis. Defensive quarterback, tells guys where to go, communicates, covers a ton of ground. And between him and Tari, the two together, the interior defense takes a major leap forward. And Tari better be playing 25, 30 minutes because he's going to be a difference maker. My reason for this is going to surprise you a little bit, but Bruno Fernando, and you heard me right, Bruno Fernando, perfect defensive big off the bench, always hustles, never gives up an easy shot, rebounds, vertical threat on offense, can pass a little bit. They had nobody like this last year, nobody. So, Sean, I mean, there's four great reasons that this team is going to make a major jump. And you heard me a lot say about Defense, that word, that's the magic word. Yeah, um, I got one question for you. I know you put the money on the over total of wins, uh, which I think is 23 and a half right now. Um, he, forget 23 wins. Is this Rocket team vying for a 10-9-8 spot in the postseason this year? I don't know if I'm ready to say that because there's just teams that I think are better than them. But, you know, somebody like Portland, with which everybody kind of assumes is going to be better than the Rockets, I'm not so sure about them. Um, Sacramento, I don't know how you can ever be sure about Sacramento, although they're going to be legit this year as far as a, 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 a play-in team. Um, th the only bad news that I could come up with watching the preseason, Shangun got manhandled by Dwayne Dedman. Terrible night for him against a scrub NBA big on Monday. Haven't seen the skills that he needed to improve on this offseason, like shooting defense, staying out of foul trouble. Josh Christopher, Looks shaky in the summer league and preseason. Dacian and Ty Ty haven't been anything of note at the backup point guard. But besides Shangun, you know, and these are major. Besides Shangun's really a, he's not a major concern, but he's a little bit of a concern. The other guys are minor concerns, and the defense and rebounding, you know, both of those and the combination, the rebounding. You know, I, I keep 
wanting to harp on the rebounding with like Jalen and because that's where you can make a jump defensively also. But I think they're going to be in the eighth or ninth worst team as opposed to the worst team in the NBA. And maybe they'll shock somebody. Maybe they're, they're they can't put it all together if they can. You got to stay healthy, of course. And that's a big part of this. But you know, with that, and you got young guys that you know are that should stay healthy because they are young and a little bit rubbery. You know, yeah, they they might. You never know. I mean, I it wouldn't surprise me if they were at least in the conversation for the plan at some point. I'm looking forward to watching a team this year that is legitimately trying to compete night in and night out. I mean, that's something that. Uh, um, you know, it's it's we, we've been waiting a long time for. And I was going to say this before we got into our conversation from top to bottom, the athleticism oh, and yeah. just the raw talent that is on this team. I can't, Robert, I cannot remember a time in which really I, ha- I, I there probably is. And I have to go beyond just saying any rocket team but just a basketball team that I've followed in the Western Conference. I can't remember a team with this amount of talent and this youth on it at this point in time where so many guys could go one way or the other. You know what I mean? And Maybe that's not even fair to say, but just have such high ceilings because I think the expectations for these guys top to bottom for the most part are just uh, incredibly high. Kevin Porter's a name that I haven't mentioned yet, but he looks better. Um, I want to see more of it. I need to see consistency from him. That's been his bugaboo as an NBA player the last year or so, or last two years probably, is just getting the consistency out of him. But definitely he's better. And one of the problems that they had last year at times, especially in the first half of the year, was shooting. Jalen's going to be a way better shooter. Uh, Kevin Porter you know, by the end of the year, was a really good spot-up shooter. Jabari Smith, we know. So you got three guys right there that you didn't have shooting at that sort of level last year. You didn't have really a good outside shot. Garrison Matthews kind of had a fake good outside shot for a few weeks, but really has come crashing down to earth, and he looks like a mediocre three-point shooter. In general, if you look at his overall stats in the preseason, he's been terrible. He's not going to be in the rotation, I would assume. Um, He's probably the 11th or 12th man at this point at best. But the shooting is going to be a factor. But shooting, defense, rebounding, a lot of stuff that they were not doing well last year, I think is going to improve drastically. And I think it's so crazy, Sean. I I, I just, I don't understand the national guys. I I feel like they're sleeping on this team. I, I, I think Jabari was everybody's, number one pick and then Paolo five minutes after the draft started is the number one pick. And now everybody is in love with Paolo. Like, Oh, we knew he was the number one pick all along and he had a good summer league game and everybody was just like, Oh my God, look at him. And I liked him, but I liked Jabari better uh, for a number of reasons. And a lot of it's just uh personality and, and all of that sort of stuff. But I, I am super excited about the Rockets and, you know, hopefully we gave people a little bit of excitement about the Texans. We're, we're trying and, you know, stay with them because these guys are young and Sean's out there and he sees what the development looks like. And we know this is not something that happens really quickly. And then, you know, the Astros, I don't have to convince anybody about the Astros, but looking forward to do the post game tomorrow with Steven. 
Um, also looking forward to talking to Andy Rio. We're going to talk to him in the next couple of days about fantasy football and then big NFL stuff in general. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm so excited about Houston sports right now, Sean. Get in on the ground floor, especially with the Texans and these Rockets right now, because you know how special it can become if you suffered through 11, 12, and 13 with the Astros. You got Marvin Gonzalez, Jose Altuve, Dallas Keuchel, just to name a few out of that, uh, to root and cheer for for years beyond that. So be excited. Let's do this again. Uh, probably going to wait, me, just me and you, till uh, next week, a week ago this time without the Texans, but... Like I said, he, he might be just just watch those Astros post game shows. I think he might pop up. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.